Hey, everybody. Welcome back to What's It Like podcast with Stacy and Emily. I'm Stacy, And I'm Emily. Holy cow. Here we go. We are so excited to be back staring at each other in my face-to-face office. Yes. Oh, breath of fresh air. Yeah, we should have. Um, we're kicking ourselves, listeners, because for the last year and a half, we've been talking about how we have to learn how to interview people remotely because tons of people do that, obviously, in the podcast world. Right, like all the real podcasters yes. do that. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't figured out how to do it yet, which brought our podcast to a halt because we couldn't be together. That's right. And we certainly couldn't invite anybody else over. So Exactly. So we, we're recording this right now. It's June... 10th. Wow. And hey, that means our anniversary is in two days. I know. Happy. What is it for you? 21. We're 17. 16. We're 16. The Potters and the Rigs have the same exact anniversary date, which is fun. So that's um, crazy. Anyway, we it's June 10th and COVID basically started March 11th is what I mark it as because that's my nephew Jake's birthday. It was a Wednesday and that is when everything Everything happened. Everything went down. Yes. So I was in France on that uh-huh. day. I think that is, I don't know my dates anymore, but. So it was Wednesday, March 11th. <clears throat> and I remember texting with you the very next day on the 12th. And we were home. No. Or no, we you were, were still dis- in France. You were deciding. So the 11th is when, when President Trump said he was going to Oh yeah. limit access to Europe. Yeah. Okay. We have so, we have so much to talk about. I know. That's crazy. So Mark and Emily were in France for their job. Yep. So we went for work Mm -hmm. and right like the day we left, France was still from the World Health Organization or whatever, whoever sets the levels. I don't even know. A level, whatever. Let's say one. Okay. So we took off. We kind of felt like we shouldn't go. We were totally hesitant, but then we're like, well, we'll just Follow the expert's advice. So we flew, got up in the air. By the time we landed in France, it had like bumped up a level. Oh, wow. So it just was changing so fast. Yeah. And we spent, we were only there for four days. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, we got a phone call. Pack up your stuff. You need to be on a flight within three hours or you might get stuck in France for the next month. That and is so intense. It was so intense because I, Trump came on apparently a thing and he said, we're closing down all travel to France yeah. or at Europe. Um, anybody who doesn't get out by today can't get out. Yes. And I remember you texting me that. And then I responded saying, I think it's only if you're not a citizen that you can't come back. But which was actually correct. But that's not what he said. So everybody panicked. So yes, there was a lot of confusion. Oh, my gosh. It was it was nuts. I mean, I could talk for a long time about how crazy getting out of France was. It was like um, we got to the airport super duper early. and We were like the first ones there. And I turned around and it was like a massive of Americans running. Oh to the my airport. gosh. I can imagine. And then our reservation people back here with our, with crew and our organization, um, had rescheduled our flights, but the people there didn't, couldn't access them. I mean, it was oh just my chaos. Gosh. And if we had just booked the flight, it would have, it was like $2,600 a person. So it was just insane. Insane. And then our flight was late. We had to run through the airport in the Netherlands we like barely made it back home but we made it back home you made it back home and I remember so we've probably touched on this in podcasts before the rigs and my husband and I co-own some rental properties in Oshkosh together and so we are constantly talking about that as well and um, needing to touch base with each other about that and I remember you guys coming home and I was we were in the middle of remodeling a property and my husband and I were like sweet they're going to be back in action because you'd yeah. had a lot of travel the first quarter of the year for right. work. We had been gone a ton. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then Mark was like, no, we actually like, so sorry, but we have, you know, crew recommended you guys self quarantine for two weeks yeah. just as a precaution. Right. So the, the, um, all of the people coming back from Europe were saying, they were saying you should isolate for two weeks. So yeah. we decided to take it seriously. And, um, our daughter had come over for spring break. She just found out that she wasn't going to go back right away because they were extending spring break for a week or two. Yes. So we thought, okay, our kids are home. We'll just all stay home for two weeks. And, and supposedly your symptoms show up by 14 days, right? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of sucked because we were full of energy and couldn't go anywhere. Well, for sure. And also I just, those first two weeks after all of this started happening, I'm guessing everybody in our country and probably worldwide had similar reactions. Like in the US at least, it was every day brought some sort of change and maybe more bad news and a tightening down of things. I mean, we, you know... Even after President Trump had said that, you know, no travel to Europe, we were actually scheduled for a family spring break trip to London and Belgium. I, in my head, I'm like, oh, I think we could still do this. We'll just have to like take some extra precautions. No, no. I mean, two days later, we're like, oh, there's just no way this is happening. Right. Well, and so you, I remember, so we, halfway through our, our trip home, we realized we'd could have still gotten home, but the airline stewardesses were telling us that they're all the airlines were canceling all the flights. Yes. So they're like, even if Trump or whoever powers that be say you can come home, you wouldn't yeah. have been able to find a flight home. And then I remember you being like, I think we're still going to try to do our trip. And in my head, I was like, <laughs> you're crazy. You're crazy. Delusional. But yeah. you weren't the only one we had. We had friends who were supposed to go to California mm-hmm. for spring break and everybody was still like, well, I think we'll try, we can make it try work. to do it. And even domestically, we canceled our trip and I was chatting with my friend Frances and she had to cancel a trip to Grand Cayman and we were like, let's just road trip down to Florida. Yeah. We'll get an Airbnb with the kids and we'll just still make it happen. Like that was even still going through our minds. So totally. there was a whole lot of denial in place. Yeah. And even with my kids of like, okay, so can't go there. What else can we do? And then every day it's like, oh no, totally. this is shutting down. This is shutting down. And, and I remember feeling those first two weeks a sense of like, it was, I felt fearful at times for sure. Yep. And then also, well, and sad isn't that the time too, where if you go to the store, like I, we didn't get to go to the store during that time, but it was like toilet paper was running out it, and yes. Right. So people, that stuff just creates an anxiety when you it see really that. It right? really does. It yeah. really does. Going to the store, f- even now for me remains not fun any longer mm-hmm. just because you, that's where you're reminded that things are still really different. But, yep. um, yeah, it felt there was very much an end of world vibe. Uh, everyone's going into their bunker. Totally. I remember going to festival that first week after all that happened. And there was two women, two older women in the toilet paper line. And they had two shopping carts and they were filling it with toilet paper. Oh, really? And to the point where there was not any toilet paper left. And I remember just thinking, this is why. Right. No one else can get it. Please stop doing that. I still don't understand that whole toilet paper thing, Mm-mm. but... Crazy times. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. nuts. So you and Mark were quarantining ourselves. Yes. Feeling you guys were good. really good about that. Well, we tried to because mostly because I didn't want to be, if there was an outbreak here in Oshkosh, I didn't want to be the ones who everybody thought brought it back. <laughs> right. Right. But I didn't think, I thought there's no way we have it. Like we were careful. Yeah. Hand sanitized the whole time. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but then on day 12, after being home, Mark started feeling sick. And then on day 14, after being home, I started feeling sick. I can't believe it took that long for symptoms to show up. Yeah, it was not so. And we went down hard. Mm -hmm. We're good. 
I think we're good. We're just checking sound, guys. Yeah, we're good. We are. We're so like professional that we forget how to do these microphones <laughs> almost every time. Okay. So anyway, we we both and then our son Isaac at the same day that I did got sick and we just went down hard and I was fully fully sick for a month. Yeah. And continued to be sick for a few weeks after that. Yes. And Mark just two and a half months later is just feeling better now. Well, it was a crazy journey for the rig family. I can attest to this a little bit because mm-hmm. I would check in a couple times a week and yep. be like, how are you feeling? Thinking you'd be like, okay, we're turning a corner. Like I just waited for that yep. where we've turned a corner and it took a really long time. And then it'd be like, yep. oh, we're actually feeling a little bit of an uptick today. And then two days later, bam. Down. Yeah. It was interesting. So those first two weeks, we barely moved yeah. out of bed. What did it feel like? So I started with the worst sore throat I've ever had in my life. Like hmm. I thought, oh, I don't have COVID. I have strep throat. Because yes. I didn't know yet that was a symptom. So any um, drainage or like congestion in no, your... No. No congestion. Just like I, could, I couldn't even swallow. Hmm. And Mark... Mark started with body aches and a cough right away, but I didn't have a cough right away. Okay. Um, but then after a few days and fever, high fever, we both were like 104-ish fevers. Isaac too. Isaac and I were almost exactly the same. Okay. We had a couple different things. Anyway, then our both of our coughs, all three of our coughs really kicked in hard. Okay. And it was really weird because you could, you know when you breathe in and out and you can hear just the rattle in your chest when there's like just junk? Yes. Like it was junk, but nothing would come out. So yeah. like you'd cough and cough. Like I just wanted to cough up a loogie right. just to get it out. Yeah. But nothing. And it was just kind of constant cough. So then our ch- your chest starts hurting mm-hmm. so bad. I could breathe okay-ish most of the time. Mark really struggled to breathe. That's so scary. It was and scary. He has, he has the tendency when he gets sick, to it hits his chest hard anyway. Yeah, his chest right? is for, for sure. Like he's had a really bad bout pneumonia before. He has got seasonal like seasonal by meaning like all your lung allergies yeah, and allergies to pets. So, and that can kick up asthma related symptoms, yeah, right? He can get bronchitis <clears throat> from that mm-hmm. kind of stuff pretty quick. So I think it's just his weak spot. I don't know. Yeah. He probably doesn't want me to say he has a weak spot, but <laughs> he's, you're very strong and masculine. You're very Mark. strong and masculine. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was just, we just were struggling, but he particularly couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. So our doctor, we checked in with her every day. P.S. at the time, there's no testing here. Right. So they were just like, don't even come to the hospital. That was so frustrating when it you would tell me that. Like, why can't you get tested? Because just something about knowing definitively that yeah. you had it would have been, I think it would have brought a little bit of just certainty. Certainty. Because then I could, yeah, it just would have felt easier at the time to just right. say. We end up getting every symptom in the book and our, you know, we got a doctor diagnosis essentially, mm-hmm. but so there's no, we couldn't go anywhere or do anything, but our doctor just kept saying, if Mark's lips turn blue or your fingernails are purple, come in. Otherwise just stay home and rest and oh hydrate gosh. and rest and hydrate and rest. And so we just did for yeah. a couple of weeks. The three of our other kids watched <laughs> seasons upon seasons of keeping up with the Kardashians because well, there was... Like we, I couldn't even. It's entertaining. I'm not going to lie. I guess I'm like, I could hear it playing. I'd be up in my bed and I'd be like, oh my gosh, they're watching Keeping Up With Their Kardashians again. And I can't do anything about it. And I don't care. Well, and that's the weird piece about this particular virus that it, if it takes one family member down, you really, the whole family has to quarantine. Like you're not, of course, if someone in your home has the flu, I'm sure everybody does this, right? Someone's got the flu you aren't having guests into your house for a few days, but Lauren would still go to work. Totally. I would still go to my gym class and run errands and do this and that. But really, if you have COVID, you are, the whole family has to batten down the hatches. And you know, our kids work at 
the most popular pizza place in town. Right. And I'm like, we can't all of a sudden have the outbreak come from yes. through their pizza place or yeah. whatever. So they had to stop working, which they didn't like before anybody was even sick. Right. Every- and this is in March, mind you, right. in Wisconsin. So everyone, you're inside anyway, because it's the worst. March and April are yeah. notoriously the worst weather months. It was, it was so it's bizarre. Awful. So henceforth, the keeping up with the kids. Well, right. <laughs> and it was like spring break. Our kids didn't have anything to do. Whatever. It's fine. We all survived. We think Hannah, our one daughter, ended up having it as well. Yeah. She got it, what, like a two weeks Couple after weeks, you guys, yeah, maybe? Yep. And hers had all the same symptoms, but less, more mild, She would, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other two, we don't think had it, but our doctor thinks they probably just had it and no, Asymptomatic, yeah. which we are learning a lot right. of people have. Yeah. So so the interesting part is that we all kind of had, like, I, there's a rash that goes with it. Isaac got the rash. None none of the rest of us got the rash. Okay. Um, Mark and Isaac and Hannah lost their sense of smell and taste. Mark actually lost it for like four weeks. Yeah, that'd Couldn't be horrible. Couldn't or smell anything. It was nuts. I and feel I, like I'd lose weight, though, because what's the point of eating? <laughs> that's what he said. We, I mean, in general, we ate so much cereal. Because it's about all we could stomach. stomach or do. Thankfully, people like you and some other friends would bring us gallons of milk every like a couple days and a loaf of bread. So that's how we survived. Right. Um, but it was just, it just was not so. I had a low-grade fever for six weeks. So it just... Didn't kick. Yeah. Anyway. It's just too hard. I remember um, the first week or two. So we had, you know, school was canceled for a couple week period, which was one week. And then we had spring break. Right. And Lauren had spring break off anyway. So he was home with us. Yeah. And that was actually, that felt really fun. I mean, I oh, we turned that into, well, it was, you know, by four o'clock every day, he is mixing us a margarita. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. so it felt snuggly. We played a ton of board games. Taught our kids how to play poker. Yeah. Watched a lot of movies. I actually loved that piece of it. And I suffer from FOMO. So Uh the first few weeks of this um, where we were, you know, homebound, there was some free, I felt some freedom in that because I, everybody else was in the same boat Uh and I wasn't worried about, am I missing out on something or I should plan something or I should get my kids together with friends. And I have a little bit of a sickness with that. Um, I loved <laughs> that. And I was like, Ooh, I need to remember that I love yes. feeling like I don't have to mm-hmm. be social and I don't have to always be out there. And I want to hold on to that. But, um, yeah, I feel like I had, I've, I felt the same way similarly. And the first month was like a a blur. A blur. But I had, I did have some like, my kids aren't even asking to go to anybody's house because they know they can't. Right. Um, we, we did similar, played a lot of games. We kind of got in a routine. Okay. So we're a little different, but still to this day from the beginning of quarantine, most everybody in our family sleeps till 10 in the morning or noon. So yes. we're like eating <laughs> breakfast at noon. So we'll like eat lunch, a bigger lunch at like 3.30 or 4. Right. And then a bowl of cereal for dinner at 9 or 10. And it just became this really fun the rhythm. rhythm. Yeah. yeah. Played a lot of games. And and it's the same thing. Like, there just wasn't any competition for yes. anybody's attention. And yes, I kept thinking, way like, to say it. oh, my gosh, this is probably the only time in the rest of my whole life I will get my family like this together. A million so. percent. And I remember talking to some other girlfriends, too, some who have husbands that travel a ton for work and they were mm-hmm. not traveling. And I'm like, we, I hope that we all remember that there, this slowdown of life was actually awesome. Yep. I hope so too. Cause I, I mean, I, I think it's valuable for, 
there's some relational dynamics within our kids that because Ellie's already gone to college and Isaac will be leaving for college in the fall, right? That are just the little bit of like the patterns that I imagine they would have for the rest of their lives. Yes. But everybody being home together sort of forced forced some conflict resolution Mm -hmm. and some working through some of that stuff. And I think our kids, I'm not sure they would admit it at this moment, but I actually think this is really good relationally for us to have this time together to work through some of those things. And I think actually that's important lesson for the rest of our lives. You need to just have, you need to be together. You have to give yourself space and time to get past the, past the like, just doing life, going through the motions yep. to get to the next stuff. So I don't know how to create that in regular life. Well, there's so much distraction right? when you open your life back up, right? Mm-hmm. There's, and thankfully, and this is also a challenge, our kids, this, uh, this summer is going to be a lot quieter for my kids. There's yeah. not the sports camps every day that Reed will go to. And mm-hmm. there's still less, even though our kids are seeing their friends again, it's not as much, yeah. right? Like we're kind of limiting that still a little bit. And um, so there, it's still a lot less structured this summer will be than previous mm-hmm. summers. And that is anxiety producing on one for hand sure. for me. But also, again, no, I remember summers being so much slower when I, I was a kid. Like there was a, it was a real lazy summer. And I'm totally. like, there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's actually, I think it's really good. Super for healthy. Yep. So and I agree. And Reed and Oli were driving me up the wall the first couple of weeks with the bickering, <laughs> but that even, like you said, that eventually lessened. Yep. And I think they just got used to, Hey, by the way, you have no one else to play with. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you figure it out? And now all of a sudden, Oli's excited to go out on the basketball court with Reed and shoot hoops. And right. There's just, and Keegan and Reed, they both have their boater safety so they can take the jet skis out together. Oh, that's and, awesome. I mean, sure, she'd much rather be with her friends than her brother, but whatever. Know, but in the long run, like these are, these, these are your people. Are your people. These are your forever. ride or dies. Right. Yeah. And I, there's plenty of dysfunctional adult sibling relationships and I want my kids to have, I want my kids you, to have them be real good, functioning, honest, good relationships. Yes. And so I think this was a, a good a piece good of thing. that. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Okay, so what did you do when you would like go online and you would, how did you do online social media and the news mm. during this time? Because I could swear half of my Facebook friends think COVID is uh, not even real. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a farce made up, but not half. Okay, yeah. not half. But I have a handful of people that I'm friends with that think that it was way over some sort of, well, yeah, or some conspiracy mm. or whatever. And then <laughs> another half who like, I don't even think they probably won't because they know I had Corona. They probably won't see me for another 12 months because oh, they're so, I don't know. Right. Really. Right. But like such extremes out there. How did you handle that stuff? Well, that's a good question. I think, um, so I was a junkie for the news the first couple of weeks mm-hmm. because it was changing mm-hmm. so much. And then I just found it to be super, just gloomy, depressing, yeah. and it would cause me anxiety. So I stopped looking at it as much social media, I, there'd be days where I wouldn't pop on at all. Um, and I just think I, I did buy into a couple conspiracy theory, <laughs> theories early on where I thought maybe the lab in Wuhan, Wuhan yeah. intentionally did like that. Maybe China sure. was creating a biological weapon. I, I considered that <laughs> there might have been discussions about that. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, no, uh, there's all sorts of crazy stuff out there. All sorts of crazy but- stuff. So at the end of the day, 
what what are we left with other than just hoping that the experts, quote unquote experts out there are working diligently to come up with a cure. And it wasn't until probably early May that, you know, when Mm -hmm. we knew for sure kids weren't going back to school Mm -hmm. when, and by the way, my husband, who's an orthopedic surgeon, he was off of work, not just for spring break week. He was off, like didn't work for, I think four weeks, which because he's, because they just canceled all surgeries, right? All or, elective procedures. Yeah, and so crazy. that was eye-opening to both of us of like, oh my gosh, we, this job that we kind of thought was recession-proof and mm. pretty darn dependable, that that was kind of some real foundational aspects of our life yeah. were questioned totally. and, and checked a little bit. So... Well, I remember Lauren in the beginning saying like, we're, we're not buying anything right now. We're not, I'm not letting my kids just like... Oh my gosh. Get the little things of normal life. That's like, right. We're actually cinching the bell and pulling mm-hmm. back. And I was like, I just, I just think like it, there was this time and probably for us, it's probably coming, coming down the road where we'll feel, feel more of the effects of it. But like yeah. financially speaking, this is a massive deal for everyone. Everyone's feeling everyone. it in some capacity. Yeah. Right. So at the end of the year, our family will realize less income. Yeah year over year, but we're managing to that. And I actually also enjoyed being more intentional with how we were spending our Mm -hmm. money those months. And there was absolutely zero to spend money on with the exception of food. And that felt good too. Yeah. So, I mean, we were trying to get takeout when we could to support local businesses. Like we all were, and that was a treat. It was a treat. I would bring one kid out a time to just go through a drive through somewhere. And really? that was like their special outing so that they Aww. wouldn't lose their minds at home. And that became something that they looked forward to and I looked forward to. And I'm like, wow, let's revisit funny? these simple pleasures. I of- know. I mean, I, there was a lot of people who were like, gosh, I've never cooked this much in my life. Right? Yeah, that got old real quick real for quick. me. Yeah. Well, we weren't going out at all, but my sister was amazing. In the first two weeks when we were six, she just didn't even tell us, but she just had food delivered twice. Just had really Thai food delivered one night and chalice food delivered one night. And she, she just would like, be able to orchestrate that from yep, Colorado? She just How called, nice. called them and had delivered. And it was like, what a gift. And then my mom was like, whoa, that was genius. So she gave the kids her credit card number and said, okay, every few days will be Jimmy John days. So like, I don't know, every four or five days through that first couple months, oh my we gosh, would what use a great my mom's idea. card. And, and it was like, like you said, it felt like the biggest treat in the universe. Right. It was like, oh, we all got a Jimmy John sandwich and sat around. It right. felt like glorious. For sure. Which and is I kind feel of fun. totally. And in a normal spring, I would be running Reed to two soccer practices a, a, right. a week. Keegan would have a f- several tennis things. Oli would probably have something just because I always feel bad for Oli. <laughs> so he's got some. so on any given week, we yeah. probably run through Culver's drive through or grab Jimmy John's. Two or three nights a week. Right. And don't think much of it. You don't even think of it. You don't appreciate it. In fact, most of the time I'm like, oh, Culver's again. But you just need the convenience of it. And so for us to be able to cook more, I'd like to say we didn't gain weight, but we did somehow. There was the baking. It was the baking and frankly, the drinking. There was a lot of cocktails and wine (laughs) consumed. I mean... I, there's there isn't one person in this country besides maybe Mark Rigg that didn't gain weight during this time. So. Well, and actually the memes that were going around oh, the, yeah. those kept me alive during this too. I mean those brought me some serious joy. Actually, me too. <laughs> totally, totally. The memes on like the drinking and the homeschooling the children, oh. and I mean it just it makes you realize that every single I shouldn't say every single lot. There's lots of different experiences in this country, but so many people were in a similar boat. Yeah. Of 
all of a sudden dealing with maybe they're working remotely from home now. Maybe they've lost their job. They've got kids who are trying to online learn. Yeah. Um, just crazy. Right. And you're all, and then everyone's cooped up. Yeah. So I, um, I also loved several different groups of friends. We started these zoom calls and I'm hoping mm. that continues. Actually, we need to recircle back around that cause it hasn't happened for a while, but yeah. The Zoom face-to-face calls, mm-hmm. those also were life-giving to me. Yeah. Lauren hates them. Uh-huh. I love <laughs> Funny, them because too. you see, I know, right? <laughs> you see the faces, you're laughing together. I don't know. Those, yeah. those, that was awesome too. And just to share those experiences with other girlfriends of mine that live all over the country. That's really fun. It was cool. Yeah, I did some of those with my college friends too. A yeah. Little bit, so really fun. Okay, so then we are... We're transitioning a little bit to yeah. this last couple of weeks where mm. life has opened back up again. But mm-hmm. I actually feel like I probably feel more heavy and more more emotionally heavy these okay. last couple of weeks yeah. than I did during all the COVID. Because the COVID felt like it may be a piece of being sick, just like I couldn't process some of that heavy stuff. Yes. There was there was a little bit of anxiety, but I couldn't process. But mm-hmm. the, the, the news those last few weeks of the murder of um, black men by the police Mm -hmm. and by people while they're out jogging and all that stuff and the black lives matter stuff that has come up has just been it's it's sort of overtaken the covid even yeah maybe rightfully so right Mm -hmm. um but you and i want to talk about that a little little bit because it's Mm -hmm. it's important to us and it's a really big deal so for sure and And i think too i think on the heels of covid covid in some weird way hmm. united the country if you would in the world because we were all having a similar shared experience of life so drastically changing yeah. overnight. Mm-hmm. And then I think with George Floyd's death and with every all the protests that are happening, it actually, it just made it incredibly heartbreakingly clear how very divided yes. our nation is when it comes to race and equality. And mm-hmm. I think it is interesting too. I was listening to a podcast with this woman named Latasha Morrison, which I really, I wanted to bring up her name uh, while we were talking today. She runs an organization called Be The Bridge. Okay. And she... I think I started following her on Instagram. I've uh, read her stuff for years, but she is a woman essentially trying to build the bridge between races and um, kind of fill the gap of understanding. And she just can explain and articulate things um, from a black woman's perspective to a white person mm. that just, are, it's a very, very, very helpful. But I was listening to one of her podcasts and she said, she thinks it was a perfect storm. Like people have been sitting home. A lot yes. of people have lost jobs. So we're, people are, are itching to get outside mm-hmm. and this stuff has been simmering and burning not burning, but simmering and burning for years. Yes. And so just the fact that people have time, people are already scared. Mm-hmm. And she has said, high school and college students are, are doing nothing right now because they, like Ellie, my daughter Ellie, for example, is supposed to be out at an internship at the UN in New York this month. And so oh. she's sitting in our, our living room doing nothing. Right. So she said youth are sitting around and so they have the ability to get out to these um, protests. protests right now. And so yeah. she said kind of the, her perspective is that you put all those things together Um kind of made it for the perfect storm, but it, it mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense to me. I'm personally really thankful that it's that it's exploding to the extent that we can't ignore it. Right. I'm a little fearful that it just becomes another, you know, piece of the puzzle of something else is going to come to light in the next couple of weeks that overshadows this and then it dies down and people move on. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know the answers. I don't know what I know. That's the hardest thing. What right. can what are actionable things that we 
as white women can do. Right. I don't know. I, don't I, I mean, know. other than reading some books and mm-hmm. following people and having great, hopefully open dialogue with our families and friends. I Yeah. And we both have a vested interest in this. Mm-hmm. I have a black child. You have a black brother. And it's just one of those things where I, I, I absolutely feel convicted that there's no more just watching it play out. Yep. No more just wishing and hoping things get better. Right. Right. I do think I've been, I've been wrestling this through a ton, but I do think prayer is action. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't seem like it, I don't think, but because I believe that God is in this and he can do things like, absolutely. I've decided like, that's not wimping out to say that I'm praying, praying about it. Yeah. I think it's important. It keeps my heart. If I'm praying about it, my heart is also still engaged in, um, sensitive yeah. to it. So in that way, it, not only do I believe that God could change things, but I believe me just staying in prayer and talking to God about it keeps my heart engaged. That's a very good point. So I think that I think it's a good place to start. No for matter sure. where you're at in your faith journey, like talking to God about it can is action. Absolutely. Then I think that there's going to be other stuff to do. And I okay, I actually do want to mention Mark and I went last week to a forum. I don't know, maybe we call it a forum. Yeah. Um, up in Appleton with three black pastors, and then um, B Vang, who was a guest on our podcast yep. this spring. He's a Hmong pastor. So three black pastors, um, a Hmong pastor, and then the police chief from Appleton okay. got together for a forum and it was just really interesting just having a dialogue of uh what it's like to be a black man in the Fox Valley mm-hmm. how to interact with the police um there's some young people cool. there so it's um if you go to Facebook and you go to Breakthrough Covenant Church and follow them it's uh like it was Facebook lived on okay. their thing and you can watch it so that would be an action point that somebody could take to watch that just even to learn more about what yeah. it's like and then um I think they're going to have continuing education stuff, but oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm wondering, I, I saw some pictures in the Ashkosh newspaper mm-hmm. of protests happening. I, I haven't ever heard ahead of time about one uh, happening. So how do you get on the, yeah, that's a great question. Like I did, the protest chain. Maybe somebody can reach out to us on social media and tell yeah. us because there was two Sundays ago, there was one and I had two people get a hold of me to tell me it was happening. So I did know it was happening. We were down at my mom's that day, so we couldn't participate. But yesterday I was downtown at our office and there was um, probably 30 people at the sundial just standing there with signs the whole afternoon chanting things like Black Lives Matter. And I I was talking to my daughter Ellie about it. I was like, I don't know, like, we, I think we need to be part of the little ones too. Right. I don't know if I could just walk up to those people and join in. Probably I could. I don't know. I think you probably could. There's Right. There's, um... I think something that holds people back sometimes is that fear, that fear of either A, not being, I don't know, like being um, dismissed by the pro, I don't know the right way I'm trying to say this. Fear, well, fear, a legitimate fear of something violent happening Mm -hmm. because that was what we were seeing a lot of for a while. Mm And then being a poser, I don't, and I know in my heart of hearts, I want to see change and I want to see change for my son and I want to see change for all black people in our country and in the world. Um, But like, has there been so many years of me Mm. not engaged in this? Yes. And so me showing up, is that all of a sudden, is that hypocrisy? Is that me? It feels like so, I'm so late to the game. Yeah, I don't, I think, I think that's just... 
get you gotta just take that and put it away. You just gotta. I understand what you're saying because I think I feel the same way too. I think I think that could be something that could keep this going on and on forever if we all Mm -hmm. think like, well, but I'm late to the game or I don't want to. I mean, I feel this way, but like I'm totally afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. Right. I don't know if you are following, but like I know, I know we're all following. If somebody says the wrong thing in the media, the wrong famous person, they get ostracized. Ostracized, and I'm like, oh, they're trying. Right. But at the same time, I don't know. It's really messy, but I think we have to just. Let it's it the messiness. You're right. Yeah. And there has to be, and I want to be bold for Oli and I want to be, yeah. I don't want the fear to win the mm-hmm. fear of being wrong or being afraid or yeah. Well, don't you? Okay. So that's when I think it boils down to, we have to have real relationships in our life. Like it can't yes. just be uh out there thing. Like we have to pursue hard having real relationships with people that don't look like us. Yes. And you're right. And that's not easy to do because that, that is taking those first steps are the place where you could look like the biggest poser yeah. or worse, you know, right. like, but we have to go for it. My, mm. my brother, I was talking to him last week and he just said that just white people, just even acknowledging that, um, Oh, I just lost the term. What's it called? White, uh, privilege, white privilege. Thank you. Even just white people acknowledging that that it exists Mm -hmm. is really helpful for him as a black man. Mm -hmm. Just somebody saying, yes, it's real that I have a leg up because I'm, I am white. Yes. And there's still a lot of people in this country that don't want to admit that. Right. And I don't know why we don't want to admit that because it doesn't, it's not like you, Emily rig is the reason that this has happened. Right. But But do you benefit in your life by white privilege? Right. From a system that was built for white people. For sure. I don't, I'm not sure why people yeah, why still are fighting so admit, hard against, I but people are fighting hard to not admit that because we all have hardships, sure. right? There's plenty of white people that have grown up in poverty. There's plenty of white people that I know white people that grew up in the city of Milwaukee and they were treated really badly by black people. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, what are you talking about? White privilege? Mm. Well, black of people were mean to me my whole life. Yes. It's not that it's the system. That's right. And I think it's important to realize that there are nuances in this conversation Mm -hmm. and that by, and I'm not the only one saying this, this is all over social media, all over the news that by emphasizing black lives and that black lives matter, it's not saying other lives don't. It's just saying this is, this is what (laughs) we need to focus on right now as a nation. Yeah. Doesn't discount someone else's experience. I was thinking about this yesterday. I was getting ready. I was, cause I've had people on my social media still really fighting back. Like, why aren't we saying all lives matter? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about COVID specifically. So when we got a doctor diagnosis that we had Corona, my mom freaked out because she was like, this is really bad. And at the time Mark couldn't breathe. So she called every, literally everybody she knows and asked them to pray for us. We got cards from people I've never met before. Like she put out your mom, my mom, love it. Everybody to pray for us because she was very concerned for us because we were in a a bad state. right? Right. My brother and and sister didn't get mad because she didn't ask people to pray for them because she, she was calling for help to pray for us because we were sick. Yes. They weren't like, well, what about me? Like my job is hard because of COVID or right. what about me? I'm your daughter. You're not asking people to pray. They were like, that didn't even cross their mind because we were in an emergency state. That's right. And I think it's the same thing. That's black a good people analogy. are saying, we're just saying black, this is an emergency state. And yes. so we have to be saying black lives matter now because yes, they we haven't have mattered anymore. in our system. Yes. And so sure. I think 
I think if we, but for some reason we want to fight so hard, like. Well, because ultimately there's going to be people who think who, whether they admit it or not, they like the benefits they get. Oh, for sure. From being white. White. And the privilege it gives you. And so there's fear there too Mm -hmm. of what will happen if there's more equality? Like where does my piece of the pie diminish? And it could, but let's. Why w- let's not let that be yeah. the piece that keeps us from growing as a nation. Totally. And I think we're, I, you're totally right. I, I agree just think with it you. comes from fear. Right? And I think it comes, I, I, I mean, we probably talked about this on here before. I, I would have felt like I was not a racist person before because I, I could have been with a black brother and a Korean sister. Like how could I possibly be racist? Right. But as I've started to learn these last couple of years about what the system actually is, mm-hmm. I am racist because I don't want I don't want some of my privilege taken away. And because that means giving up power to somebody else or yeah. it means maybe taking some of my I, and I don't know. I I'm communism socialism is not the total answer either. Right. But like I think that's what we fear. Okay, so in order to like fix the system, we have to go to a totally drastic different place and I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that that's true. I everybody's so it's just so extreme. Right. For sure. Yeah, I don't know. Speaking of the violence, Ellie went back down to school to Milwaukee last week Yeah, for one night because she had to go to work for a meeting the next morning. And the protests came to a head. The protesters and the police, did I tell you this? No. Came to a head right in front of her house. What? So she called, it's like 11 o'clock at night and she FaceTimed me and she's like, look what's going on. And there are people on their knees with their hands up in the air right in front of cops with guns and tear gas ready to go literally right in front of her house. And she, as you know her, was like, all about it. Yeah. Like I was like, get back inside. And she was like, Oh, uh, uh, no, I'm not going back inside. This is history being made. Yeah. So she ended up being a part of it a little bit. It didn't get violent. Okay. And then she's gone back twice and participated in all day long protests around Milwaukee and she took Hannah one. So it's been kind of cool, but that's cool. I was freaking out that night as a mom. I was like, get back in your house. Yeah. She's like, I can't, I I can't. There's no way Ellie's going to go back. Her personality couldn't do that, but well, I'm glad to hear she was safe and that it was... I wonder how these things end. Like, does eventually... Yeah. So does someone say, okay, we're done for the night. Everybody head home. Like, how organized is this? Well, the ones that she's been participating in have been organized by some pretty influential leaders in Milwaukee. And okay. I, but I don't know at the end of the day. I think they just... That's a great question. I'll ask her. I'm just curious how that works. Um, I talked yeah. to... Um, a police officer, he's the father of one of Keegan's good friends, um, and he's in charge of the right... I'm going to say this wrong, but yeah. he he's in charge. He's the head of the division that deals with things like this, protests and stuff oh, like cool. that. And so he... he um, the first time there was a protest in Oshkosh, it was just Officer Nelson who was there, and he did yeah. that intentionally because he was like, I think when you see... Uh-huh. As a protester and height, heightened emotions, um, if you see this big, huge line of officers yeah. in all of their SWAT gear standing there, it it provokes more than it calms. Yeah, and he's so he was super intentional about it. it was just him, and he had people. Yeah. But I actually have chills right now because I saw on, on our friend Andy Barber's um, Instagram he yeah. was at that protest. Okay, and he was standing right at the beginning of it, and the woman who organized the the rally was walking out and he walked out right behind her. I'm assuming it's the same guy because okay. he said he's the only one who went. And Andy heard him say to her right before they walked out to the crowd, okay, I'm following your lead. 
Yeah. Like so humble. It's very humble. And such a good way to do it to, mm-hmm. to not try to squash it and say your feelings don't matter. Like That's he right. was saying, and I think it was cool. And he actually said the people who organize the protesters, I think he said there's two of them locally. And he said they're very respectful mm-hmm. and they give the police a heads up of this is when, this is mm-hmm. where. So there's something about that that I appreciate. And I, I love that there's that sense of let's keep the lines of communication open mm-hmm. so that you guys can have a really impactful protest and message. Yeah. And we don't have to bring the yeah. hammer. Yeah. And then it gets so messy when it gets to all the violence, right? I know. Because I have black friends who are saying, well, actually I'll just, I'll just say my brother specifically. He's like, I don't condone the violence. He's like, it's, it's wrong. We shouldn't be looting and hurting businesses. Right. However, I feel the same emotions those people feel. Mm-hmm. And there's, I, he can kind of understand why you're, it just boils it, it over turns to, that. to that. And I'm, and I don't, I don't know what to do with that in my heart personally, because oh. I can sit here and so far safe little Oshkosh, Wisconsin and have right. opinions about it. Right. But that's so messy and hard. It is. And I, it breaks my heart that there are these small business owners in different cities that are barely hanging on I through know. COVID. Right. And then that happens. And that can't be, that can't be the way I know. to do it. Did you see some there? I saw a number of social media posts from small business owners in Minnesota that were hurt and they said, we're really sad about our business. We're really sad. I had to come to this. We also understand why this happened. And Hmm. I thought, wow, like that's cool. So humble. I'm sure that would not be my first reaction. if it was my business. Man, I know, but yeah, it's crazy. The images. And I also, this is another conversation for a different day, but I, back to the news, I I don't even know who to trust for, for, for real factual information any longer. I know it. I think it's, Everyone who's out there, and I feel like there used to be, you know, eight to 10 journalists who would regularly write and be on the news. Now there's like thousands oh. of people who can post these articles, and they're so jaded one side or the other. Mm-hmm. They don't paint the whole picture. And I, I find it so disheartening that half the time I don't even look at the news. And I'm, I know, I don't want to bury my head, but I'm like, where do you turn for reliable, well-balanced news? I, know. I don't know. I don't so. know either. One, one thing before we wrap up that is I've tried to do this last couple of weeks and I think is awesome. is just, I'm not awesome. That sounded lame. <laughs> you're, you're kind <laughs> I of think awesome. I'm so awesome. That's not, that's not at all what I meant, but I've just tried to follow on social media more people that don't look like me mm. that so that I can listen differently. Mm-hmm. And there's a, this is the part that I do think is awesome. There's a something, I think it's today or tomorrow. Oh gosh. Hashtag. I'll try to look it up while I'm talking, but a number of famous white women who have really large, um, social media followings are passing over their social media accounts to women of color for a day or two. I'll find it. There's, so it's a hashtag. I think it's like pass the mic or, or something. Where are you? Come on. Okay. Hashtag share the mic now. Um, and there's a list of a, just a bunch of different white women on Instagram, but I think it's on different social media too, that are handing over access to their accounts for women who are, well, it looks like they're mostly all black women. Um, but I think that's what we need to do is we just need to be listening because yes. we can get in our own little bubbles and start to just think that the way that we think is right until we hear people's Super real experiences. Cool. So isn't that kind of cool? Super cool. So how do I, f- I just follow the tag? Yeah, follow the tag, and then I th- I think my plan is to like start to follow some of the women that. Yeah, I have appreciated that on social media. Some 
influencers like Jen Hatmaker, some other people I follow have been posting black leaders that they yeah. have experience with and have followed, have read books by. So I've been also following them too. And it's, yeah, that's, you're right. That's another way mm-hmm. to open our eyes, learn more, yeah. listen, stay engaged. And that'll be some of what we try to do with this podcast is like mm-hmm. get some of those other voices. And thankfully, actually, if you haven't listened to all of our podcasts, there's some pretty great ones out there. The, one of our very first ones was Joy Evans, and yeah. she shared what it's like to be a black woman in Oshkosh. We have a pastor, B. Vang, who mm-hmm. came on just this spring and talked what it's like to be Hmong. Yeah, Barbara um, Rich talked a lot about yep. how he was different things he's dealt with, with racism. And yeah, so I, think I mean, that, even Tyrese Halliburton, I remember he mm-hmm. posted something really awesome on social media recently. It was a, mm-hmm. a letter. It was, he was sharing something. He remembered his dad telling him as a young boy mm-hmm. and Tyrese actually did share on our, on our podcast that he himself hadn't felt a lot of racism in Oshkosh, but he's part of that story too. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's been, I've loved those conversations and I'm really hoping we can have some people on here who have a lot to say on the subject. Cause mm-hmm. I, I think another way we address this is by not shirking back, right? Let's get yeah. into the hard stuff. Let's have tough conversations, even if they make us squirm, even if it makes us feel uncomfortable, even if some of the things point out Ew. a piece of my heart uh-huh. that needs to be revealed and scraped away like that. I want, I want that to happen. I do too. So it's happened a couple of times with some guests on this podcast. I'm thankful if nothing else, but you and I are having a blast and we're learning. It's a blast. Thank you listeners. We have missed being on here. This was, as you can tell, just cathartic more for Emily and I to get back together (laughs) and to talk about what life has been like the past couple of months. So hopefully we'll get some people a little bit this summer that will be willing to join us for some interviews. We'll, we'll put them out as we can do them and hopefully we'll get, get back in the role. But Friends, we love you. Thanks for listening to us ramble a Thanks little bit. Thanks so much. Share stay safe, stay healthy, and stay engaged. Yes. Take care. Bye.